Hi, everybody. This is Kara Fitzgerald at New Frontiers in Functional Medicine. I would not be here month in and month out for the past six years without the generous support of our sponsors. And I want to tell you about them and please check out their websites and check their products out. Biotics Research. For over 40 years, the foundation of biotics research has been innovation and quality. Their goals remain unchanged. Innovative ideas, carefully researched concepts, and product development with advanced analytical and manufacturing techniques. Biotics nutritional products are of superior quality and effectiveness and available exclusively to healthcare professionals. Visit them at bioticsresearch.com. Integrative Therapeutics. Integrative Therapeutics is focused on inspiring a better lifestyle through better health. By providing meticulously formulated nutritional supplements and valuable resources, Integrative Therapeutics promises to enrich your patients and embolden your practice. Welcome to your Integrative Therapeutics. Find them at integrativepro.com. And finally, I want to give a shout out to my friends over at Rupa Health. They make lab testing easy, fabulous, doable for both you, the clinician, and you, the person being prescribed the lab, the patient. Consider using Rupa as just a super, super, super smart solution to all your laboratory needs. Visit them at rupahealth.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to New Frontiers in Functional Medicine, where we are interviewing the best minds in functional medicine. And of course, today is no exception. You can see that I am here with three amazing people, if you're actually watching this on our YouTube. If not, I am going to tell you who I'm with. And uh, after I get through that, I'll tell you what we're going to talk about. Uh, okay, so Dr. Kara Parker, this is my first time getting to be with a, another Kara, uh, is here. She's a board-certified family doc who's been practicing functional and integrative and lifestyle medicine at Hennepin Healthcare uh, with a low resource population for 20 years. She's an educator at IFM and has worked with programs teaching functional medicine at the Department of Defense and VA uh, practitioners. She's the medical director of Whittier Clinic Group Medical Visits Program, which she founded in 2015. She's created and run group medical visits for long COVID since 2020 and is a consultant for Ant Health on the lifestyle component of the post-COVID recovery program. Kara, I'm really happy to have you here and just, you know, it's, I'm just really excited to do a dive into this. You've been somebody that I've admired over in the functional medicine world for a while. Likewise. Thank you. Pleasure to be and here. Let me pivot over to Dr. Patrick Hanaway, who has... Um, taken hosting duties uh, at, at our podcast and has also been interviewed. Uh, Dr. Hannaway is a board certified family physician trained at Washington University. For more than 20 years, he's worked with his wife, Dr. Lisa Lichtig in uh, clinical practice at Family to Family in Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, Patrick's work history includes being the chief medical officer at Genova Diagnostics, the chief medical education officer at IFM, and the founding medical director of the Cleveland Clinic Center for Functional Medicine. He's published extensively on functional medicine, as well as teaching clinicians around the world. His current work integrates research, education, and patient care, focusing on nutrition, the microbiome, and evaluating the value of functional medicine. Dr. Hanaway, it's always amazing to be with you. Thank you, Kara. And we also have Lori Hoffman. She's a seasoned 
Chief Executive, Board Chair, Visionary Strategic Advisor, who has successfully led large-scale strategic, collaborative, and global developmental initiatives for leading functional medicine, professional education, and training organizations, also healthcare systems, entrepreneurs, and industry leaders. She is the immediate past Chief Executive Officer and Board Chair for the Institute for Functional Medicine, where she served for 20 years. Her 30-year track record of, of accomplishments is uh, rooted in health and wellness, functional medicine, public health, personalized nutrition, and science-based natural medicine. Uh, Lori, always, always, always great to see you. And again, just having the three of you here uh, is quite an honor and a, and a delight for me. We're diving into all things long COVID. Um, an important topic to say the least. Uh, the epidemiology, as we'll get into in a minute, is 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 um, kind of is pretty profound, and we need some solutions. And of course, functional medicine uh, has, I think, some some light to shine here. So let's just talk about it, uh, Lori. What was your inspiration behind? focusing on long COVID, you know, what have you been doing? Who's involved in this? Yeah, yeah, thanks. And Kara, thank you so much for having us. We are really happy and excited to be sharing what we've learned and uh, hopefully invite people into, you know, into this process with us. As you said, it's a, uh, you know, post-COVID and post-viral syndromes are, uh, are, are of a lot of concern. There are no standards of care, as we know, no proven treatment. So um, thanks again for having us. And the inspiration, trying to just condense the story, I yeah. think as we all saw, shortly after the COVID pandemic uh, really started, we were seeing independent root cause medicine practitioners just closing their doors. And of course, everybody closed their doors for about seven weeks. But what we noticed is that um, root cause medicine practitioners seem to be struggling to know what their value proposition was during COVID. So through Ovation Lab and my partners, Tom Blue and Andy Crosby, we really galvanized this whole series of workshops and training programs and built care paths and really helped people, independent root cause medicine practitioners, understand how they really have a central role to pray, play in keeping patients healthy and even working with kind of mild symptoms of COVID. Well, that led right into starting to see patients who were not recovering. And uh, then we all came to understand the term long COVID. So I had the privilege starting, I think about in November of 2021, and then formally uh, a year ago in January of having And Health, a, a company that Tom Blue has been doing some work with, and they're a disease reversal company working with employers and, and health plans to really bring a virtual um, disease reversal root cause medicine program to a variety of, of complex chronic illnesses. So they became enthusiastic about supporting uh, our effort to develop an approach and framework and then a program and protocol for assessing and treating uh, post-viral syndromes and, and uh, specifically long COVID. So that was both the inspiration and then the encouragement that we've had and frankly, the, you know, the funding support. And the privilege I had was to really choose and select and invite from a wide swath of practitioners and physicians and researchers to come together in a working group to really think about, um, scour the literature and begin to develop this approach and framework that I mentioned. Um, so people that including Kara uh, Parker and Patrick Hanaway, but Christine Burke and Michael Stone and 
Tom Williams and you know Bob Sheeler uh, and Heather Tick. So there have been quite a number of people that have been involved, as well as you'll hear from Patrick, uh, us really looking at the researchers and research that was out there that was really taking a look at uh, not just you know symptoms but potential subtypes and uh, you know and mechanisms. So it's it, again, it's been a thrill for us to have the opportunity to dive deeply into this. Maybe the other thing I'll mention, and we can dive more into this a little bit later. The other thing we thought that was really important is that we knew that there's so much that's emerging still around post-viral syndromes that we felt it was essential for us to be able to track outcomes. So yeah. we, with in collaboration with National University of Natural Medicine in Portland, we developed a RedCap patient database and um, our instruments, as we'll get into, allow us to track some um, a, a variety of different outcomes measures using validated tools. Awesome. Awesome. And we'll link to as much of that as we can, maybe the patient registry and how clinicians can get involved, all of that. We would really love to, you know, forward the work that you're doing. I just, the only thing that I wanted to comment on with what you said is that initially, you know, when, when COVID landed here, it was in the functional medicine world that we were rallying to have to figure out how to think about it yeah. and going into the literature and looking at, you know, SARS and MERS and how the, you know, how the heck do we even, you know, arm ourselves with some sort of rationale, some kind of structure of intervention before vaccines, before Paxlovid, et cetera, et cetera. And, and Patrick was a part of, of those conversations early on where we were very actively trying to figure out how to put our arms around this this extraordinary pandemic and then the vaccines have you know and then there were some medications and i know that was when you know we 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 sort of we we got a little bit quiet for a while um not that we were any less thinking about it but then long covid began to emerge and this i think is uh you know we're just we're just we're very much needed and 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 Patrick having your brain wrap around you know the mechanisms and the various interventions that we can, we can start to tease out in some of the labs and just you know how we can use this functional medicine framework to to address uh, this extraordinary burden is um, is just really essential so I'm, I'm grateful for your work and I'm grateful for all the people I'm grateful for the four of you here and for everybody who's just stepping up to embrace this and walk it through and help us see it so talk talk to me Patrick about you know what long COVID is you know the epidemiology behind it and and then you know we can move into to talking about what you guys are doing your program right right so you know there's the definitional aspect that that's looking at a, a post-viral illness and recovery from it. And we can go back to the Spanish flu of 1918. I learned that my grandfather actually suffered from that in World War I and, and his long-term sequelae uh, in his life were, were related to that. You know, we've, we've learned about it, you know, and more in the, in the 80s, you know, talking about uh, ME-CFS and, and, uh, and the unfolding there of post-viral processes. You know, I remember, you know, Kara in April, you know, so we're like four weeks into it and, you know, and we're talking about post, it wasn't even called COVID at that point in time, SARS-CoV-2, you yeah. know, like, well, what about the post-viral 
impact of this and how do we think about it? And we began to think about it from a functional medicine perspective, you know, in organizing that. And obviously things have unfolded since that time, but, you know, we were aware that this would be an issue, uh, you know, from a month into it, we, we could see that. And, you know, now we have the data epidemiologically where, you know, as of two weeks ago today from the CDC, 103,268,408 people have had reported COVID, but the numbers actually are probably closer to 200 million. It takes a village to make a good podcast, and this one is no exception. I would not be here month in and month out interviewing the best minds in functional medicine if it wasn't for our generous sponsors. I want to give extra shout out to our diamond level sponsors, Rupa Health and Biotics Research. Rupa Health has taken the functional medicine world by storm because they are taking these functional laboratory testing and making them really easy for us clinicians, as well as for our patients. So we know functional laboratory testing is an essential component of our work with our patients. However, the lab testing, quite frankly, is a pain. Collection is different. Um, we have to fill out various rec forms. Uh, we're sending them all over the place. We're keeping kits in office, et cetera, et cetera. Rupa Health has streamlined this entire journey and I love them for it. And if you haven't started to use Rupa Health, you are in for a great, great, great treat. And what we see is that, you know, people continue to have symptoms 15 to 30% at a month. But what we're really concerned about, which is where the definition is, what we're really concerned about is that at three months where that number is still six to 10%, you know, those, those numbers, even at, you know, at, at 5% are, are 10 million people having issues at three months, but even more importantly, at 12 months, we still have one to 2% of the people, you know, so a very conservative estimate is 2 million people. The, um, you know, other considerations are, are as much as four, 4.8 million people at a year still having functional loss and deficit that's going on. So we can see the issue is big. And as we know, most people don't think about it from a systems biology standpoint, from a root cause standpoint. They think about it from a, oh, you have a breathing problem, I'll send you a pulmonologist. Oh, you have a balance problem, I'll send you to a neurologist. Or you have a neuropsychiatric issue going on, depression, anxiety, you know, or dementia. I, I, you know, I'm going to send you to a psychiatrist because this is probably all in your head. Or you're tired. Oh, maybe it's all in your head. You know, these things, instead of looking at the mitochondria and the underlying physiology of what's going on, it's sort of siloed. And we recognize like that doesn't really work. And we'll talk more about the article, from, a great article in Nature Medicine from the patient-led research uh, uh, group. And, and that was, uh, you know, the, the final author was Eric Topol, who you know, sort of put his imprimatur on the whole thing. But the data there even as they go through it and they look at it and these epidemiologic aspects and they talk about mechanisms from a big view, but then they silo all the treatments instead of like, how do we work with people, the whole person and their lifestyle and what's going on and inflammation and damage. And we'll talk more about the, the mechanistic aspects of what we see as we go forward here. So the, Certainly the matrix, you know, the whole, the, the, the functional medicine framework lends, obviously lends itself to, to working, to working with this. 
Exactly. Uh, and what's the program framework now? So the program framework is that we, we've worked with uh, the studies on looking at the mechanisms and pathophysiology that are there. And what we see in, in the big picture view is we can break it down to, you know, there is acute that emerges to chronic inflammation and there is tissue damage. Both of those components need to be dealt with. And when we get down, you know, the next level deeper, we say, okay, well, we're going to work with um, chronic inflammation, but we've also got to deal with there appears to be some viral persistence that goes on. And we don't know if it's 10% or 40%. We know it's there and we need to deal with it. So we've got to work with antivirals and, and things of that nature. We know that there's a reactivation of uh, things like Epstein-Barr virus, which is the most common finding from uh, Akiko Iwasaki at Yale doing immunophenotyping. And, but it's not, Epstein-Barr is not the problem. It's just the uncovering of the immune dysregulation. So we've got to help the immune dysregulation. We know that there's issues with the microbiome um, that are predisposing factors from the work of, of Sue et al. at the Institute for Systems Biology, you know, kind of led by our friends, you know, Jim Heath and Nathan Price, and of course, you know, overseen by, um, <clears throat> by Lee Hood. You know, so we're seeing these aspects and, and how do we put them all together? So we look at mitochondrial dysfunction. We look at what's happening with the microbiome. We look at what's happening with immune dysregulation and immune treatment that's going on. And we also look at the, the tissue damage, particularly looking at the endothelium and the role of the, of the glycocalyx and, and, how, and how that has an impact on ACE2 mediated damage. So you got to take care of the damage. And what we see even from HIV, using that as an example, is that even as we get rid of all the viral load, there's still a long-term consequence that goes on. So we need to deal with the immune dysregulation and the damage that's occurring. And so that's where we focus. And, it, and we focus in a, in a way that, that demonstrates, uh, highlights the lifestyle approach, like the nutrition, as we know, taproot, how people deal with stress, emerging understanding of uh, vagal tone and vagal stimulation, sleep, graded exercise, don't push them too hard, and then targeted targeted uh, supplements, targeted therapeutics that we're using. So that kind of gives you the, the basic framework of the program. Um, it, it, there's plenty of people though who don't have any identifiable viral load, and but but the approach isn't necessarily going to differ that much once you get into the broader lens, it's that initial antiviral uh, intervention yep. that may be sidestepped or are you? Well, we're, we're going to, we're using a, uh, a 3CL protease inhibitor, a natural one called Gromwell root um, that helps to treat that. Now we, we've looked, we did a deep dive working with NIH researchers and others, you know, to say, can we actually identify who has viral persistence? And we yeah. can't, okay. no one can, you know, yep. Patterson's yeah. group and Iwasaki's group and group out of Harvard have all tried. We can't figure that out. So we would like to subtype it and say, we're just going to give this to that group, but we, we can't figure that. No one can figure that out. So we're using that, uh, that particular component co called uh, Tolovid, which is a, a 3CL protease inhibitor, not unlike Paxlovid as a part of the program. That's one that is used early 
and then it's completed. And then there are other aspects that focus on mitochondria and, and microbiome and immune dysregulation that we continue on as well as the lifestyle factors. Got it. All right. Um, Kara, Dr. Parker, what, what is the, what's the, what are the main components of your program? So we've gotten some of the mechanistic underpinnings from Dr. Hanway, but what does it look like in action? Unmute. Yeah, so as a practitioner, you know, just to put it in context, if, if you go to cdc.gov, type in long COVID and say, excellent, show me the guidelines for clinical practice. There aren't any. There's yeah. nothing to guide us yet that emerges on how to work with this. But fortunately, as you say, Kara, the functional medicine approach lends so well to be able to um, have a pathway in which we look at these things. So our, the pillars of our approach follow that pathway. And, you know, you start with the person, you start with the story of how they got COVID and the details around that, the context of their lives in which they got COVID. And so we have a lot of, we have an extensive intake form that is very, you know, carefully uh, cultivated to give us the information we want to look at around what was their life before what are their risk factors for how they're going to present um, with COVID and long COVID and then what has happened since then and uh, along with the getting the story getting the context and getting their health factors and comorbidities um, assessment forms so we've got um, a number of assessment forms that we have patients fill out at the beginning and then at one, two, and three months um, as they move along through the program. And that allows us to track how are they doing, but also get a sense of um, really specifically where they are at. And it's been helpful because along, like other um, conditions such as Lyme or mold toxicity, when people are so fogged, they have a hard time telling, you know, yeah, I might be a little better here, but not there. And when you actually look at what they say in these forms, you can parse it out better than the person can almost tell you themselves in some ways. Um, Good. Yeah. And so assessments are an important part of that. And then just what is this root cause and how are we going to address that? So you follow the physiology um, and get curious about it. And we built this program around that. So addressing the oxidative stress and inflammation, the ACE2 tissue damage, the neurologic damage. So we start with lifestyle, which um, really, as you look at the matrix of, for example, uh, diet, we chose a plant-based, pri primarily plant-based, but anti-inflammatory diet and decided to go with Whole30 because it's so well organized. And, you know, wherever you are in the world, you can get this information. It's pretty easy to apply. There's a lot of support around it. They have a plant-based component to it. Um, and there's starting to be studies looking at plant-based diet for healing lung COVID. There's, that's starting to bubble up now. Um, the reason we also chose it was when you look at who gets sick with COVID and most likely has long COVID, um, diet definitely plays into that very strongly. And especially, you know, how many plants do people eat versus animal products and things like that. 
Here is big news. Great Plains Laboratory is now Mosaic Diagnostics. Mosaic Diagnostics is where functional medicine practitioners turn to reveal the complete picture of their patients' underlying illnesses through evidence-based diagnostic testing. Get to know Mosaic Diagnostics by visiting mosaicgiveaway.com. Licensed practitioners can enter to win Mosaic's Business Booster Giveaway. It's $875 worth of test discounts, supplements, free educational passes, and a one-hour massage for your self-care. Visit mosaicgiveaway.com for your chance to win. So um, the other lifestyle factors... Can I, can I just ask you, yeah. diet plays a big role. How many plants versus... Like, are you seeing... Um, so you're seeing a favorable response tweaking diet with long COVID with individuals with long COVID. Do, are people coming in on a certain diet that might is a predisposing uh, factor to getting long COVID? I mean, it's like the standard American diet as you know, it's implicated in everything. Is that something that you're seeing? Or yes. You know, okay. Yeah, that the inflammation and oxidation of the standard based diet is yeah. absolutely is part of the setup, not just having diagnosed diabetes and metabolic syndrome, but literally forkful by forkful, what are you putting in your mouth? How inflamed are you coming in? Even if you don't have a pre-diabetes, diabetes, obesity, hypertension diagnosis. Um, and when we look in our, in our intake form, we actually ask people, how healthy was your diet? With a lot of questions about that before COVID, during and after COVID. And because long COVID symptoms are so debilitating to people, many times people, whatever their diet was beforehand, it actually worsens, sure. even though they wish it wouldn't because they know they yeah. feel better on a better diet. So a lot of our work in treating people is to help them figure out how to do that when they're fatigued, when they have a lot of GI symptoms. Yeah. So um, really, you know, clearly, having that pillar real easy to work with people on and figure out how to do that is an important part. I call it the central part of this. And you do see when people really make an attempt and get that inflammation down with their diet, they know it um, and they speak to the improvement they get. Um, I had a, have had a number of patients over two years that I've worked with on lifestyle for long COVID Diet's the number one thing they call out when they're actually able to do it helps them. And that was before yeah. I, before we pulled together these targeted supplements and added those in addition. Um, we'll talk about those, but the, so diet is absolutely cornerstone step one. Um, there was a study just published in February, 2023, looking at lifestyle and predisposition to lung COVID. It actually was part of the, you know, the nurses health study data and they took the lifestyle from 2015 and 2017. So, and associated it with, if you had two unhealthy lifestyle behaviors, you were overweight, um, had a pro-inflammatory diet, um, aren't sleeping well, aren't moving, sedentary, smoke, or misuse alcohol. If you have two of those, you have a 50% chance greater incidence of having being diagnosed with long COVID. That's really interesting to me. Yeah. You know, so was, you, you can imagine the unwind of that. There's reasons the physiology yeah. is driving that. And then it's our job to help really specifically unwind that. So, you know, another component is addressing stress. And 
you know, one of the labs that associates with long COVID is low cortisol. Yeah. Um, I work with a really low resource population, very low social determinants of health or, you know, mm-hmm. and so the chronic stress and that people bring into COVID, let alone during COVID and whatever their story was with how sick they got. And then in the recovery, if you have lower cortisol and really can't dampen that inflammation, then you're more, you that correlates with long COVID. So helping people um, really address you know, their stressors and uh, on a variety of level, uh, levels is part of the program as well. Yeah. Are, you, are you using like Cortef or, or, or something like that for these low cortisol folks, just out of curiosity? We haven't added that as part of the program, but um, that's part of the personalization, you know, depending yeah. on the person's at. Yeah. And so lifestyle, you know, movement, uh, another important pillar. And with post-COVID conditions, um, people a lot of times have post-exertional malaise, right? They're, they're just not exercising the same way as they were before. So we have resources to help tailor so that people move and do get the benefits of blood flow and exercise, you know, how it hits that web in functional medicine, it addresses everything, right? From helping mitochondria to detox, to, um, you know, basically all components we want to address, but you have to do it really in a tailored specific way for people dealing with severe post-exertional malaise. Otherwise you're going to set them back just like a person with myalgic encephalitis. So it's going to be some really basic movement. For some, for many. And what I find on the program, though, is once you get the inflammation down with diet and especially the targeted supplements, I'm getting feedback from patients all the time that they're now able to move more and how just how good that feels to them. But also it's a marker of their stepwise improvement. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So those are, uh, I would say, you know, Lifestyle is that central pillar of the program. And then we also go uh, in a targeted way to look uh, and deal with mitochondrial um, dysfunction, which is something that in standard of care medicine, oh my gosh, I I have an easier time teaching my patients what mitochondria are and how they are to to deal with than I do with my colleagues, right? But for COVID and long COVID um, post-viral syndrome, it's a major player. And um, many of these things that we're using in our program target the mitochondria. Um, we certainly have people on coenzyme Q10. Um, there are, you know, a lot of uh, the lifestyle is going to target that as well. How are you dosing it? Are you are you are you using very high doses or relatively modest amounts? Uh, medium, I'd say. And and what I was just going to say earlier was. You know, um, the Nature Medicine paper and and, and t- that Topol authored, you know, indicates that a third of the people who have post COVID don't have any pre existing conditions, but Kara just pointed to, but they do have the risk factors, yes. you know, that are going on, and, and you know, sort of this this imagining that it happens out of nowhere, and it doesn't happen out of nowhere. It happens because there's an imbalance, and then it's playing off of that imbalance. By the way, folks, I will absolutely link to the nature paper and it's, uh, you know, it's just really amazing. It's worth, it's worth your read. It's worth your read if, you know, if you're a clinician and you're, and you're addressing this in practice, I think it's an amazing framework and it's also worth it, you know, if you're a, if you're somebody struggling with this and want to understand a little bit better this, this systems lens. 
I just wanted to say, I have a couple of thoughts. Um, and before I get into my thoughts, again, for show notes, you guys, we're going to link to where this program is, how you can find them. Certainly, as people were listening to you speak, Kara, they were wanting to access access this. I know it. And so we'll all of that will be available to you over on the show page. Um, you know, in our in our patient, in our patient um, load, you know, the people who come to seek us out, we know we see elevated um, Epstein-Barr titers. I mean, routinely, right? We're looking for those and we see them in our patient population. We see low cortisol. I mean, all of this stuff is de rigueur in functional medicine. We look at it time and again. And I, so as I'm reflecting, listening to what you guys are teasing out, I'm thinking about, you know, long COVID in my patient population who have these pieces and I haven't seen it a lot. And I'm wondering if you are, and this is because they've been doing their functional medicine work for a long time. I mean, that's the difference. So, you know, we're building in some resilience to this vulnerable population. I'm thinking one woman in particular uh, who I just, who I just met with recently, and she's got a little bit, but, you know, by, if she, if she hadn't found functional medicine, you know, six, seven, eight years ago, she, you know, among other people that I can think of, actually myself included, I have, I reactivate Epstein-Barr, you know, or I, I have, um, yeah, we would be, we would be seeing it in our patient population. So I guess one of my thoughts are, and it's probably not, you know, logical at this point, but have you, have you looked, is, is it something interesting to see whether functional medicine was working, the incidence of long COVID and in, in functional? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I can comment on that. Yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to make an overarching comment and that, and then Kara, you and Patrick can chime in. But as I was talking about functional med, talking with functional medicine clinicians early on to really understand who is seeing patients with long COVID, many of them were like, oh no, we're, we're not really seeing too many of them. And we started yeah. to have this conversation and recognize exactly what you said, Kara, which yeah. is that if they were established functional medicine patients, they were doing pretty well. And yeah. we weren't hearing uh, so many reports of them developing long COVID. Now, as time has gone by and there are more reinfections, which I'm sure we'll address here, the picture is changing, but you're, you're exactly right. There is a very important um, there there in terms of um, the way in which functional medicine patients have just done better. Yeah. Go ahead, Kara. You yeah. want to something? Yeah. So in my primary practice, I have about a thousand people on my panel, and I have had two people hospitalized with COVID. Nobody died, and very little long COVID. And when I look at what we're using to treat, I'm like, well, the lifestyle plus basic supplements, my my people have been doing for a long time to the best of their ability, right? I think that matters. We really have to note that it matters. The patients I get for my long COVID group visits are people of the whole system of, of our county hospital here in Minneapolis. And when I look into their medical history and what the lack of care and the lack of, you know, just the, the things they come in with uh, the comorbidities, mental health comorbidities, lack of nutrition, high stress, no supplementation. And uh, it's no wonder that people are falling so deeply into this. Uh, yeah. The setup is there. Um, also, from a mental health standpoint, there's a just published in, in uh, January uh, article by Wong that looks at uh, 
people most likely to get post-COVID, if you have two of anxiety, depression, um, history of trauma, distress during COVID or loneliness, so high distress scale or loneliness, um, two of those gets you a 45% increased chance of having a post-COVID condition. And it's like, well, that's, that is uh, a big risk factor. And um, especially if those things are untreated and really active at the time you get COVID. Yeah. So um, point being, I see it in my own practice every day that patients who have done these things that reduce risk factors have reduced risk factors. It's actually not rocket science. It's yeah. physiology, you know? Yeah. 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 Cool. Couple, I just have two sort of like housekeeping questions almost. I'm curious what labs you're looking at. And I know, and I, I want to say that I appreciate the simplicity of what you're creating and delivering. I absolutely appreciate it. And I just, Karen, I just admire the work that you're doing where it bring, bringing this to everybody. But I, I am curious if there's some cornerstone, some really workhorse laboratory evaluations that you're going to be getting. And maybe you and Patrick can both speak to that. And then yeah. the other piece I'm wondering is how much are you leaning on coaches? I mean, that's got to be a big component yeah. of, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, I'll grab the first one and I'll let Kara grab the second one. Because um, as you know, I have a little bit of experience with labs. So, um, you know, and we looked at this and it's like, can we really parse it out? Can we use it to be able to determine which treatment approaches are going to be helpful for which individuals? And what we found is, you know, like uh, the immunophenotyping data from Iwasaki says, you know, we can figure out 96% predictive value who's got long COVID by looking at other, their cytokine markers and, you know, looking at, at those flow cytometry markers. And, and we can figure it out by 95% predictive value if we just listen to their clinical story. So it's like, yeah. okay, well, so that's not very helpful. Then we go and we look at well, where's it parse out? We've already talked about elevated Epstein-Barr titers. Um, and we see depressed, 50% depression of 8 a.m. cortisol levels. But as you said, those are not uncommon at all, and they don't actually drive specific treatment recommendations. So while those would be considered optional things to look at as con confirmatory, our labs are really quite simple. They're, they're working to ensure that there's not something else going on. Do you have severe hypothyroidism, let's look at your thyroid labs. Are you anemic? Let's look at your CBC. You know, let's look at your CMP and make sure you don't have some electrolyte, significant electrolyte imbalances or, or renal function problems. Let's look at, at clotting factors of D-dimer and, and fibrinogen. And let's make sure you don't have diabetes. We'll look at a hemoglobin A1C and, and look at your CRP to see is your inflammation out of control. Those things would all determine other kinds of, of therapy that would be necessary that are in the realm of risk factors for people who get it. But it's going to say, hey, you got some other stuff going on. We got to treat that first and then we'll come back to this. But for everybody else where those basic laboratories are, are normal, um, we're using this similar kind of approach. Now, we do have some interest in looking at some esoteric, you know, what's happening with the microbiome pre-post and, uh -huh. you know, looking at metagenomics and virtual metabolomics. But that's not, that. that's more of a, of a curiosity, um, you know, exploration, rather, hypothesis gathering rather than, than 
uh, a specific treatment recommendation because we, on the microbiome side, we are including, you know, a spore race microbiotic and, and prebiotics as well. And that may inform, I mean, you may actually find some biomarkers that can help you type and all of that with the omics investigation at some point, but yeah, um, it's probably not informing your treatment so much right now. Um, what about, well, so what about autoimmunity? Can you, can one of you speak to that? Like just, you know, ANA is, is up in a, it's, you know, the, the data from, from Iwasaki at Yale, who's done a lot of investigation and then with our group looking with Amerimmune and, uh, and looking at a, a COVID phenotyping analysis, we don't actually see autoimmunity as a driver of it. We do see it on unmasking autoimmunity in people. And we do see people who have autoimmune disease as a risk factor of having, having more problems. Um, but it's not as though COVID itself, SARS-CoV-2, is driving um, autoimmune problems. And there are no specific autoimmune markers like an ANA. And we've looked at that, that are predictive for this population. Which actually must come as a relief for people. I mean, there was so much anxiety around that. Yeah, you, for some and not for others, perhaps. Mm -hmm. I agree. Did you want to comment anything, uh, Dr. Parker? No, just always good to not have autoimmunity, you know, specifically involved. So that is a relief. It's a relief as yeah. a practitioner too, honestly. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there was tremendous anxiety around that. Um, Kara, did you want to? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Sorry, sure. and I know yeah. you want to have Kara talk about uh, the group visit component, which is enormously important in coaching. Um, but I do want to say, or do, we don't want to leave um, an incorrect impression that. As, as Dr. Parker said, that you know, lifestyle and nutrition and diet is very much at the center of this, along with you know, all of the other important lifestyle components and those things that specifically relate to post-viral conditions. But also, we, um, when this team really came together, we were able to invite them to go out and really take a look at, are there targeted specialty nutritional supplements that we that we might select specifically to address our understanding of the primary drivers and perpetuators of long COVID. And as Patrick said, you know, those are primarily ACE2 tissue damage and immune dysregulation and inflammation and disruptions to the gotten microbiome. And so um, the team did choose completely independently with no not being seeded with anything, um, very specific products. So I would say that the other supplements, even mentioning coenzyme Q10, for example, there are some other foundational supplements that are recommended. Um, and for many of the functional medicine patients, they're already taking them, right? So what we have found, and here's where Kara and Patrick can really talk about this, is these um, specialty supplements have made a huge difference. Now, this is where we're collecting data in the registry. We'll be evaluating it. We will be learning more, but um, I'm sure Kara and Patrick can both just give you a couple of examples if it's helpful that as Kara yeah. said, front end loading and really working with people with, with their diet first. Um, but then we have, we have found that we have needed to have something else to kind of change the trajectory. I think more than 50% of the patients that are in our registry We've had long COVID for a year or more now. Yeah. Patrick, you want to go do the supplements, what they are? Why don't you talk about the coaching piece first, and then I'll, I'll, I'll talk about the supplements. 
Yeah, well, coaching, um, I mean, I think that's really what you're talking about is we can have great information on how lifestyle and changing these things, plus taking these supplements will give some improvement to your post viral symptoms. But how do you get people to do that? And um, it's humbling that as a practitioner, seeing patients one on one, you know, once a month, at the most, probably to a couple times a year, group visits, we get to see them weekly, but the healthcare change happens day to day at home. And that's where it's ideal to use coaches. So, you know, there's functional medicine coaching academy, a lot of people listening who are practitioners may have access to health coaches. Um, we don't have health coach access here at our institution, we don't have one on staff, but we use students and yeah, they're um, final project is doing a four to five week health coaching and I grab them they're going to be working with our long post COVID patients with uh, anti inflammatory diet whole 30 diet uh, starting actually on Monday, so I think it's an it's a really needed because. Um, taking the knowledge and applying it in your life with post COVID in particular when people are needing a lot of support and aren't really as able to be in their lives. So how do you get to the grocery store when you're so tired? There, there's a lot needed to figure the details out of applying the program. So absolutely fabulous way to use a health coach. It just strikes me as it has to be just essential. And I'm glad you're grabbing the students. That's what we do here. We have an internship program with nutrition, with CNS nutritionists, and absolutely they're, they're helping us, you know, in the trenches. Yeah. Hey there, listeners. It's your host, Dr. Kara Fitzgerald. I have a question for you. How much time do you spend ordering functional lab tests for your patients? I bet it's a lot. Ordering from multiple lab companies for hundreds of patients can quickly turn into hours of admin time. But there's a new way to order lab tests I'm excited to share with you. Rupa Health is a tool that lets you order from over 30 specialty labs in a single portal. You can order all the tests you normally do from companies like Dutch, Vibrant, Genova, and Great Plains, and so many more. Imagine you're ordering a hormone panel for a patient that includes tests from three different labs. You have to log onto three different websites, place separate orders, come back weeks later to check on tracking numbers, download results, et cetera, et cetera. Rupa eliminates all of that by having all ordering, tracking results in a single place, and they also order, handle invoicing, uh, tracking shipments, automated follow-ups, personalized instructions for completing tests, and much more. The best part about Rupa is that it is free for you. Go to rupahealth.com, that's R-U-P-A health.com, and join a live demo or sign up to see how it works. Now let's get back to today's show. Okay, Patrick. Well, Lori talked about, you know, kind of the, the, the foundational supplements uh, that were used in the foundational tools, you know, and, and that is, um, you know, first working with this uh, 3CL protease inhibitor, Tolibid, um, developed out of, out of Israel, and something that, you know, we looked at, and we said, well, can we use some other antiviral, would that work, and, and but we continue to find in our beta testing that this is a critical tool you know, for people. And it seems to be acting in, in, in twofold. One, around those where there is a viral persistence, but it also seems to be helping with the viral reactivation of the herpetic viruses like Epstein-Barr. 
so people are feeling better with it. And if if you've got if you had COVID for less than a year, we give it for ten days. If you're if you've had it for more than a year, we're giving it for twenty days, and and then we'll be evaluating people after that period of time. So I've had patients where um, you know I've given it for for twenty days, and they feel great. And then you know by day twenty five, they're like, okay, I was ninety percent better. Now I'm eighty percent better. And by a month and a half out, now I'm fifty percent better. And it's like and we reapply uh, this 3CL protease inhibitor. So that's one agent. Uh, we use an anti-inflammatory and the anti-inflammatory that we're using, you know, we looked at all the different kinds of things that are available around curcuminoids and, and different aspects. But we find, if, if you recall, that one of the pathways on the uh, NLRP3 inflammasome that was affected was beneficially helped by Chinese skullcap, Scutellaria bicolensis. Yeah. And so we're using a a, an anti-inflammatory that has that as the primary focus of it. It's got Boswellia and curcumin and other aspects in it as well, but that's where the focal point of the anti-inflammatory is. Um, we are working with uh, a uh, rhamnosus sulfate, you know, from algae that is helping to be able to help with the vasculature and the endothelitis that's gone on that the tissue damage is primarily ACE2 mediated. You know this one well, Kara, you were talking about this very early on, you know, what we need to do. And, and we'd like to think that we don't have to continue to do that because there's not persistent infection, but the damage has already occurred. And so we have to take care of the damage that's occurred. And then finally, we're, we're working foundationally with a uh, spore-based uh, probiotic uh, initially, and then with a prebiotic to help bring shift back to the overall microbiome. So those are kind of the really focused aspects in addition to those things that are going to be able to help the mitochondria, help the overall balance, you know, using an omega-3 fat, using quercetin, using magnesium, things that are sort of baseline for us as functional medicine practitioners. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, I well, want to say one other thing, and that is that we looked at, well, what about mast cell activation? And, you know, do we go with luteolin and other aspects there? You know, what about other other considerations, uh, you know, in terms of, of mushrooms and, and, and activation of the immune system and, and immunomodulation? What about uh, uh, monolaurin? You know, do we consider those things? And so those are all like in the in the, the potential for personalizing it as we go forward, but we didn't want to overdo it. And, and what we're finding is that, you know, a lot of people are getting better with this foundational approach that we're doing. So we'll have other tools that we can use in the future as we personalize, but we don't need to do that right up front. I get it. And I appreciate that. You know, I appreciate it. We, just in this population in particular, we just need to keep it simple. And so the fact that you're getting good outcome with, with this, you know, simple approach by functional medicine standards, it's still, you know, there's still a lot going on. Um, vitamin D, you know, vitamin D is, is, has gotten more attention than probably any other nutrient. Is this a part of yeah, the core protocol? Didn't, didn't mention it. Yeah. Didn't <laughs> well, it's in the it. protocol. It's yeah. I, bet it, I would, I would be, I would be pinged on that. And we do measure vitamin D to figure out like at what levels do you need, you know? So if your vitamin D levels are in a great range, you don't need vitamin D or any more than you're currently taking, yeah. you know? And, and so it's, it's really kind of a, a stratified approach. Good. Okay. And there, and vitamin D levels what around uh, around 50 or so 50 to 70 at least 50 yeah yeah okay 
Okay. Um, anything to add to that, Kara? Did you want to say anything? Yeah, I think um, thinking about what patients experience when they put these products in their bodies, you know, so I've, I've had worked with people on lifestyle for two and a half years now. And let me, let me just jump in. Let me, I'm sorry, I'm going to just, I, I, I want you to talk about outcomes. So I want to hear the individual pieces from the patients, but you can also just kind of fold that into the data you've been collecting and what you've actually been seeing in the registry. So yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, qualitatively, um, I would say that right now I have a group of 13 and every single one of 13 people as they're on week three or so of this uh, targeted supplement protocol Patrick just described. Plus, they, a requirement for them to do that is that they'll do their best to follow a Whole30 diet. So about a month on Whole30 and three weeks on a targeted supplement. And people are thinking more clearly, their pain is down, they're sleeping better, their mood is describably better, their post-exertional malaise down. Um, it's just really fun to hear feedback. Uh, I had a physical therapist who works in our COVID clinic message me and say, I'm seeing a number of your patients that are on your protocol. And how do we get this for more people? Because I've been working with them for a year and they are different now. They are different and including oxygen saturation. So person wow. asked, he said, when I go do PT, my oxygen with minimal exertion went down below 82 and they'd make me stop. Now I'm 92 or above and i'm doing a lot more just on three weeks of adding the supplements plus the diet so we're getting some real specifics like that um pots uh people describe their tissues being doughy inflammation and swelling as well as just the tachycardia dizziness and all that and they're starting to shift with the supplements so and the approach yeah when they you know, worked for a couple of years with experts with having salt and compressive stockings and physical therapy and doing everything they could. Um, so it's very encouraging. Incredibly encouraging. That's so, so great. And do you, Lori or, or Patrick, do you want to add to that? Well, I might just say something about, and then Patrick can, can give some specific, specific, um, you know, outcomes, uh, statistics, but we talked about some the the, the red cap patient registry, and mm -hmm. so the intake form that Kara mentioned earlier, we adapted from the WHO Global Symptoms Survey, and then we built this tool that's called a a timeline and progression of symptoms. That again, as Dr. Parker said, we're looking at sort of health status before they had COVID, then when they had COVID, what has persisted, what's gotten better, what remains, and we look at that every month, baseline 30, 60, 90 days. But in addition, we chose to um, validated instruments to include in the registry, the Promise 29 and the post-COVID function scale. And we had really our first opportunities a few weeks ago to pull some data from the registry from the Promise 29 outcomes. And um, I know I was, was, was surprised, you know, surprised that it was that good. I think something Patrick can talk about it more specifically, but one of the things that we didn't really understand or appreciate how important it was going to be on the front end was choosing Promise 29 and the way that those do domains line up with many of the mental health and other symptoms that we're seeing in long COVID. So it turns out to be a very important tool for us to use to 
evaluate outcomes. But Patrick, you can say more specifically what we're starting to see from the registry. Sure. So just in terms of, of promise, those patient report outcome measures, and as you know, I've been a big proponent of Promise 10 and you know, included in clinical practice and the work we've done at the Center for Functional Medicine. But what we, we recognized is that we needed something that was a, a bit more expansive uh, than the, the simple 75 second, 10 questions looking at kind of global mental health and global physical health. And, and so in, in using the Promise 29, you know, that's looking at measures of fatigue, of pain, of anxiety, of depression, of social disturbance, uh, of physical health and well-being, as well as, as social well-being. And so all of those, so we have, have measures of each of those independently within our REDCap registry to be able to do that. Biotics research, I've been using them in practice my entire, entire career. Um, I know my good friend Alex Vasquez is a product designer over there, and he puts together some brilliant formula formulations. In fact, you know, lots of people participate in their fabulous designs. They have some of the best gut uh, botanical combinations out there that have been researched as effective in IBS. We use them in SIBO. They have perhaps the best form of oregano oil, ADP. It's an enteric coated um, product that you know, we've been using in practice since it was first released. Um, they've got serum bovine immunoglobulin. They've got a host of fabulous probiotics with um, good efficacy and uh, adequate potency, sufficient potency. So anyway, check them out. You know, and so what that does is it helps to define, I mean, some people are having problems with anxiety and depression, and we see a significant shift there. Some people are having problems with fatigue, and we see shifts there. You know, it's not a, 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 an outcome that is easy, but, you know, I have one patient who is like incredibly healthy, you know, doing HIIT workouts three times a week and doing these things up until he got COVID. And now he can't move. He can't walk up two flights of stairs, but his measures look okay because his activities of daily living, he's a high functioning corporate executive who flies yeah. around the world, but he can't actually, he, he was in a, 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 a um, we call it a, a charitable baseball, a softball game, and he couldn't run from first base to second base. And well, this is a this is a guy who's a triathlete, yeah. you know. And so he started the program, and he's like, all of a sudden, like, you know, ten days in, he's like, I can start doing this. I'm like, slow down, don't go too fast. But he's 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 got his life back. So on the outcome measure, it doesn't look great for him because he was already pegged at the at the far end. But right. for many others who are having fatigue and depression and anxiety, we're seeing shifts that are, are moving them from, you know, the fourth percentile to the 70th percentile. And using the promise measures to be able to help us with that is, is where we're going. And at this point in time, it's case studies, but we've got more than... 50 people in the registry at this point in time. And we're looking forward to when we have 3000 people in the registry and we can begin to parse out, oh, in people with this symptom complex, they're the ones who actually are gonna benefit the most from the 3CL protease inhibitor. And people of this symptom complex and these risk factors, they benefit the most from this. And we'll be able to learn 
how to be able to parse that. But right now we're in the hypothesis generation phase of being able to figure out which of the things actually work. So our, our approach is a little bit more protocol and shotgun driven than would be a typical personalized um, functional medicine approach. Well, this is where we start. It's just great that you're doing all of that. And then you'll be able to stratify. You'll, you'll be establishing subtypes you know, starting with the case report. I mean, obviously I'm a big fan of, of this approach. Um, and then you'll be able to look, you'll have the lab data. You'll have some of your, some of your omics data that might help inform all of that. It's really mm -hmm. good direction. Well, may I, may I add something, Kara? Cause this, mm -hmm. I feel like it's important. We have had tremendous support from, uh, you know, from industry and, you know, and educators and, and companies who recognize the importance of this and the the, yeah. the statement that I hear most frequently is, we got to do this. This is so important. So for example, the, the group, the virtual group visit program <clears throat> that Kara Parker has started, Kara, you can say <clears throat> three or four weeks ago, um, that's using our program, we've had the benefit of having some of the biome effects tests donated. So we're getting some baseline microbiome data as well as looking at the persistence of some SARS-CoV-2 um, fragments. So it's not just our protocol. We are really using this as an incubator. We've been working with a couple of labs on assays around viral persistence, as Pat Patrick mentioned earlier, and the, the support and the enthusiasm and the encouragement for this has been tremendous. Um, all right, well, as we, as we kind of come to the Come to the close. Wait, I'm going to yeah. say one thing under Lori's leadership. Yes. Thank <laughs> yeah. you. <That's> yeah. <laughs> Amen to that. Yeah. Yes. As a beneficiary of Lori's mentorship, I certainly appreciate that statement. That's okay. So clearly you're going to publish. You know, it's just a matter of when. Are you going to, are you looking at maybe, you know, publishing a, a, a case series or do you want to have, you know, something larger? Um, and so that's a question. Uh, I'm there's multiple papers in this. I I can I I can imagine and and I, we worked with, in, for our research. I have an IRB through NUNM and I know they do a really good job over there. Brian Bradley's is is awesome. So that's one question. But really, more importantly, is we've got clinicians listening to this podcast, and then we've got patients. We've got patients. We've got people who've got who have long COVID. There's you know there's folks who who love individuals who have long COVID. So how do the, this? How do how do we access you? Yep, perfect. I'll, I'll start and Patrick and, and Kara can chime in. Um, so sort of what's next and what are the important priorities for us? As Patrick said, you know, more patients in the registry. Um, we are in a protocol development and refinement phase. And so having more patients that are in the registry is, is important. Well, how does that happen? The other thing in parallel that is equally as important is I feel very passionate about the need for us to train a workforce of root cause oriented providers who are able to assess and treat their patients with post viral conditions. Um, so the way in which people can honestly reach out to me, I can say my email, we can, I'm sure you'll put it in the show notes, but there are clinicians that we're finding that are like, you know what? I have patients that need help and I really want them to refer them to this. I don't quite have time right now to learn myself. We have clinicians who have been trained who are able to provide a virtual consultation. That's one option. Another pathway is for clinicians who actually want to be trained in this approach and protocol 
They can also do that. In fact, in the month of April, we're doing a series of training workshops um, that'll be on Zoom. There's broad-based support uh, for it from both education organizations and industry and other who all will be sending the registration information. I hope you will as well, Kara. And um, so those are a couple of really important things that are coming up, getting the workforce trained, getting more patients in the registry, having options for clinicians who want to find pathways for referring patients, but are not ready to uh, and able to kind of, don't have the bandwidth to take on another thing of, of diving into this approach. So Patrick and Carol, what did I miss? I feel like you got it. And, you know, and, you know, Kara asked about, about research. We're, we're not focused on the publishing the research. We're, we're focused on getting the data first and, and yeah. really building up this registry to be able to see. And then one of the things that, that I've found is that like, and then let's see what the data shows us, you know, let, let's see what we're really learning. You know, I, I mentioned earlier, you know, there were questions about, should we use this? Should we use that? And we started hearing from the, how the patients were doing it's like oh that's making a bigger difference than we thought it would you know we have to continue to include that in, in what we're doing and you know i mean sometimes you know patient starts you know one one supplement but they don't have the other two and they're and they're getting better it gives us information someone yeah. else gets you know two and they're not getting better and they get the third and then they start feeling better you know so we're we're listening to that and listening to the data and seeing where does it take us and what is it teaching us about about what's happening with these individuals how so so cool when i was preparing for this interview today i was looking at you know epstein Barr and and the association with all these the cancers you know the the, the post-viral sequela and in the intention that you're developing this um, with may serve to answer some of these other questions. I mean, post-viral syndromes have been around forever and we've been tussling with them in functional medicine, you know, forever, but you're starting to really codify something that could serve not only for those, you know, those acute post-viral, but, you know, the decades later potential for increased risk of cancers and so forth that we will It'll be interesting to see where this goes in the long haul. Yeah, I think I would add that if you're a practitioner listening to this and, and feel like, you know, you are wondering if you have bandwidth to learn about it, you're already seeing it in your practice. You're seeing, yeah. you're seeing uh, ramifications of COVID in post-COVID conditions all the time. And so it's worthwhile to learn some extra tools in your toolkit that can help patients. Yeah. And it's straightforward. I mean, you know, what you've what you've outlined here today is, you know, something that most of us, even if we're new in the functional medicine journey, would be able to administer. I think. Um, thank you, thanks so much for for joining me today. It was just fabulous to have have all of you with me, and and just you know, it's inspiring the work that you're doing. So, onward. Yeah, Kara, thanks so much for having us. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you, Kara. Yeah, thank you. My pleasure. As always, thank you for listening to New Frontiers in Functional Medicine, where because of my sponsors, I am able to bring you the best minds in functional medicine. And of course, today is no exception. Not everybody can be a sponsor on my platform. So I appreciate the good work, the relentless research, and the generous support from my friends at Rupa Health, Biotics Research, and Integrative Therapeutics. These are brands I know and trust in my own clinic, and I can confidently recommend them to you. 
visit them at rupahealth.com, bioticsresearch.com, and integrativepro.com. And please let them know that you learned about them on New Frontiers. And if it's not too much to ask, I would really appreciate a thumbs up or a kind review wherever you're listening to New Frontiers. Thanks.